Welcome to episode 37 of the Edwards ESL Edge podcast. What do people do all day? Jonathan. Well, hello, listeners. We are excited to welcome you back to the podcast for another edition of the What Do People Do All Day series. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode, in which we examined the demographics commonly found in developed nations. And we also talked about what it means to have an aging population. Now, it's been a little while since we've offered a new voice on the podcast. I'm sure that listeners are getting tired of hearing me go on and on about different topics, and today we are happy to report that we are continuing our particular focus on hearing from friends living abroad as they share some of their thoughts and experiences related to life in a foreign land. As you may remember, we heard from Jenny in the Philippines back in episode 29, and we are just moments away from hearing Jonathan relay some of his own insights and memories. Now, John and I actually both lived in South Korea at the same time, so we share some memories from our early days spent clumsily making our way around the country. Well, we really have a lot to get to in this episode, So we're going to dive right into that interview with John, and as always, we encourage you to stick around for the vocab review, where we'll go over some of the more interesting expressions that came up during our conversation. So let's get right to the interview, shall we? All right, we are ready to call John to see how he's doing on the other side of the world. Hello. Hello, Jonathan. That's me. Uh, This is Edward calling from the Edwards ESL Edge podcast. Yeah, I recognize you from your voice. Uh, I was wondering if we could ask you a few questions about your experiences living abroad. Absolutely. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, So you're living in South Korea. How many years uh, has that been going on for you? Uh, I've almost lost count. I tend to tell people that it's a total of six years, but it may be more than that now. Uh, The reason it's hard to count is in between years teaching and working here, I've sort of gone home or gone traveling. But I think I'm up to about six or seven. And after so many years, does Korea still feel like a foreign place? Yes and no. Uh, I guess it it feels like my second home in a lot of ways. And I guess compared to every other country besides Canada, uh, it doesn't feel like a foreign country anymore. But uh, still certain experiences make me realize they do things differently here. 
that leads into my next question. Do you feel like you're still discovering new things the country has to offer? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, one of the main things that keeps me here is uh, the food. Korea has a very rich food culture. And I remember back when you and I were both here at the same time, Edward, as you used to do, I have always tried to find new things, new foods to try. Uh, in different places and so on and uh, a couple times uh, even just in the past couple months I've found uh, some new foods even after six years that I had never seen or tasted before right yeah I think that was something that we both really enjoyed about our time in Korea yeah just discovering those new dishes and challenging ourselves I think so too um, and what's an example of something touristy uh, you still haven't done that most people would probably experience in a one-week visit to Korea? Oh, that is a good question. I mean, I have that thought regularly. I regularly think to myself, oh, that's one of those things. Oh, okay, I've got one. Uh, I, I've never visited the DMZ. And uh, if you think back to your early days or your, your first year in the country... What were the main difficulties you encountered? Uh, I came here without any foreknowledge of the language uh, or the culture, for that matter. And yeah, the biggest difficulty, I guess, was getting around uh, without any knowledge of Korean. Um, ordering food in a restaurant. Actually, I, I, in my first year, I was terrified to go into a restaurant. I don't think I did it until like my last uh, months or so of a year's stay, I didn't go into a restaurant by myself because I was uh, petrified of being stigmatized. Um, so if you didn't really know anything about the country, what attracted you to a place like Korea? Uh, well, I guess that was the attraction. I wanted to go somewhere to challenge my ignorance, I suppose. Go, go to a place I had no previous plans ever to go to, um, no prior understanding of or experience with. I'd never even had a Korean friend before I came to the country of Korea. So when you visit Canada, uh, does it still yep. feel like home or has it taken on a bit of a different role in your mind? Maybe feeling a bit like a foreign place after spending so much time abroad? Yes, Canada does feel like a foreign place. But then again, Canada always felt like a bit of a foreign place to me because Canada to me means not Newfoundland, uh, which is where I'm from. And Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, I mean, every place that's not Newfoundland uh, always required uh, a plane journey for me to get to. And it still does. <laughs> uh, so uh, what reaction do you usually get from Koreans when you tell them that you're Canadian? I guess the immediate reaction is Canada is a good place. That's usually what Koreans say. Then I almost start to explain, I'm not really from Canada, I'm from this other place. It's part of Canada now. <laughs> and w when, when you meet Koreans who are planning to visit Canada, what kind of advice do you yes. give them in terms of things to try or things to look out for? Well, I guess once again, if they're, uh, if they're going to Canada proper, which is to say not Newfoundland, where I would recommend other things, I guess I, I recommend Montreal as a city. I lived there, uh, and that's sort of my favorite sort of cultural uh, mishmash place in Canada. That's where I met a fellow named Edward Chevrier once upon a time. Uh, I guess I, I, I tell them to go to 
at Montreal and probably uh, if they're there during the winter carnival to Quebec City. I probably put in a mention for the Rocky Mountains uh, in Vancouver. Uh, a lot of those things I haven't experienced myself in Canada either. All right. Now, looking to the future, if you were to set your sights on a new country or a different part of the world, where would you choose to visit next? I am sort of the... I'm trying to find the right word. I am the fickle husband of foreign nations. Uh, what I mean by that is every time I visit a, a new country, I sort of want to abandon Korea and live there or Canada, I guess. I've already abandoned Canada. I've just been to Hong Kong, and uh, I found the mix of cultures there really interesting. And the Museum of Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Museum of History, I think it's called, was one of the most interesting museums I think I've ever uh, been to. Whenever I visit Japan, it seems like a lovely place as well. I, I could just keep naming countries until I name all of them. Okay. And uh, finally, as this is an ESL podcast, uh, maybe we can spend just a few minutes talking about your experiences teaching English and learning languages. Oh, God. What would you consider the most important first step for someone looking to improve their English abilities? I guess uh, the important thing is just find people you can speak with. Because uh, speaking instruments are muscles, and you have to use them the same way you work out muscles in the gym. And what methods have helped you in your own language learning endeavors? Uh, well, uh, certainly for French, which is my second language, uh, it helped me hugely to uh, visit Quebec and be surrounded, be immersed in the language. Uh, the Korean language is so radically different from either English or French that I almost feel that none of the advice I would have based on having learned French really applies with Korean. Uh, so I'm still figuring out how to learn Korean myself. Uh, but I think the most important thing is begin as soon as possible to think in the language you want to learn rather than translating your sort of native language thoughts into the language you're learning. I think learning a new language is sort of like putting on a new skin and being reborn in a way. So learning another language is not just a matter of speaking that language, but it's also a matter of changing your way of thinking and thinking in that language um, and sort of giving up the prejudices and thinking patterns you have in your native language um, in order to live in your new skin. Great. Uh, we hope you'll join us again sometime to give us an update on how everything's going. I'd love to. All right, it's thanks always again. good to speak to you, Edward. Oh, you too. Bye. for our vocab review. Well, we certainly got to hear a number of interesting ideas and expressions from our guest Jonathan. Let's go over some of the more colorful examples of the vocabulary and phrases he used to describe his experiences living abroad and the insights he shared on language learning. To start things off, when I asked John about his time in Korea, 
he said, I've almost lost count. And to lose count of something means you have lost track of the precise number. So you can no longer be completely accurate in your estimation. For John, going back and forth between Canada, Korea, and other destinations has made it difficult to keep track of the exact number of years and months he has spent in one place or another. Speaking of his time in South Korea, and the fact that he has been there for so many years, I asked John for an example of something touristy that he still has yet to experience. The word touristy means that an activity or area is specifically aimed at tourists or travelers. It tends to have a bit of a negative association, as we might say that a place is too touristy, meaning it doesn't seem authentic or traditional. John's response to this question mentioned the DMZ, which refers to the Korean Demilitarized Zone, and this is a strip of land that separates North Korea and South Korea. The DMZ divides the entire Korean peninsula, and it measures about 250 kilometers in length and 4 kilometers in width. Moving along, John said that in looking back on his earliest days in Korea, back when he had no knowledge of the Korean language, he was petrified of being stigmatized. And this kept him from engaging in some simple activities, such as going to a restaurant alone. Petrified is another word used to mean that you are frightened or very scared of something. And to be stigmatized means to be given a negative label or looked at in some disapproving way. At the same time, this lack of knowledge was exciting for John, and he said that he wanted to challenge his ignorance by traveling to an unknown place. The word ignorance means unawareness or a lack of information regarding something. Ignorance is bliss is a very famous phrase used to mean that if someone does not know about a situation, then they will not have to worry about that situation. It's kind of like pretending that a problem doesn't exist. John said that he is from Newfoundland, which is an island off mainland Canada's east coast. And he referred to the rest of Canada, places like Montreal and Vancouver, as Canada proper. The word proper in this context means a more conventional or commonly accepted version of something. So, although Newfoundland has officially been part of Canada since 1949, people in Newfoundland may still feel a bit of separation from the rest of the country. Montreal was where John and I first met, and he said that he appreciated what he called the cultural mishmash of Montreal. Mishmash refers to a blend or rough mixture of different elements. There are many different communities that make up the population in Montreal, so they really form an interesting mix of cultures and traditions. When I asked John about possible future destinations for his travels and other endeavors, he called himself a fickle husband of foreign nations. Fickle 
means to be constantly changing ideas and interests. So this was John's way of saying that he is often pulled in different directions and will have thoughts or fantasies of living in a place after just a short visit. In talking about his language learning, John said that Korean was radically different from the other languages that he speaks. Radically is another word for completely or in a fundamental way. And continuing with this part of the discussion, he said that learning a new language was like putting on a new skin. So the idea here is that you almost become a different person when you start to speak another language, and maybe you find ways to express yourself like never before. In order to do this successfully, you have to get rid of what John called the prejudices of your native language. The word prejudice here means a preconception or preconceived opinion on something. So now that we've spent some time getting to know Jonathan, let's have a look at some discussion questions related to everything we just heard. This week's DQs are, do you feel like a different person when you speak another language? What is something touristy aimed at visitors to your country or town? Had you ever heard of Newfoundland before listening to this episode? Is the idea of feeling lost in a foreign place petrifying to you? What are the different cultures that make up your hometown? As always, we encourage you to follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud, and you can communicate with us by directing your tweets to at ESLEdge underscore podcast. You can also join our conversations with hashtag ESLEdge underscore podcast, and please send your comments by email to edwardsesledge at gmail.com. Keep checking our Facebook and Twitter pages for updates on the discussion questions and info on other segments, and keep listening and sharing your feedback. That signals the end of our show. I thank you for joining us for our 37th episode, and we will be back with you again shortly. Thanks also to Cornelius Trebolt for his great efforts and patience. Tune in next week for another edition of the Edwards ESL Edge podcast.